pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. We're fortunate to have as our guest, Lisa Swayze. She and her husband, actor Patrick Swayze, were married for 34 years until his death from pancreatic cancer in 2009. Lisa gives us a rare glimpse into what it was like to care for Patrick during the last 22 months of his life. She talks about the physical and emotional pain, the rewards of caregiving, and how the journey has influenced her life. And her experience is brought to light in her book called Worth Fighting For. Uncontrolled pain at the end of life can push all other priorities aside and sap a person's energy and motivation to live. On the other hand, pain that's controlled reduces suffering and restores the energy and positive attitude that's needed to engage the emotional and psychological aspects of dying. Being a caregiver is certainly a life-changing experience. It can also be a life-affirming experience. A caregiver has a vital role in the day-to-day physical health and emotional support of someone who's often fighting a life-threatening disease. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Atlantis Health Group, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Lisa Niemi Swayze is an actress and dancer. She's a motivational speaker for caregivers and the national spokesperson for Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. She was the primary caregiver for her husband, Patrick Swayze, during his battle with pancreatic cancer. Thank you for joining us for part two of our show on caregiving, and welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. As Patrick's wife and caregiver, how did you handle the process of grieving? I mean, did did you want to spend every minute together, take a trip somewhere, or visit certain people? You know, I wanted as much time with them as possible, and there was uh, one trip that I, I took. It was an overnight. You know, I was off on my own, and I spent the whole night crying, and oh. and I, I went, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? I need to be home. This is, you know, it's just the most horrible loneliness I felt. And you know what? He he was in a life and death battle, and, and nothing else mattered as much as that he lived. Right. And uh, that, that was both of our intention throughout his whole illness. Yeah, that's understandable. Lisa, how did your relationship with him change once you became his primary caregiver? You know, it was really wonderful for me, and I... W- was such an honor for me. Uh, He so trusted me. Like I said, you know, if it would have made him better, I would have thrown myself in front of a bus. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm very good at organizing things, and we both like learning things. And through his illness, we're like, 
oh, man, we'd learn med- new medical stuff. And, like, we were excited. You know, we were like, and it does what? And, <laughs> and even Patrick is kind of like, he, he got pneumonia, and they're talking about, you know, there were, it's a dozen abate in the next day. They're going to go out and remove part of his lung. And he's like going, wow. <laughs> and he's like, he's like cool as a cucumber. He's huh. like, oh, it, he was like his own personal science project. And, and that probably helped our attitude because we were, we were very interested in how medicine worked because it was, it, and in the last number of years, it's just, it's amazing the stuff that's happening out there. And yeah. so we, you could, we were all excited to hear about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's terrific. I mean, it's amazing because you didn't let anything get you down or take away your hope. You know, Lisa, I remember seeing a friend uh, in his home shortly before his death from cancer, and he was lying on the couch and pulled me toward him and said, Paul, you know, I don't want to die. It was a very moving experience for me. And I'm wondering, did Patrick say anything like that to you? Uh, well, I mean, he said it through his illness, throughout his illness to me. You know, near the end, you know, because of the toxicity in the liver, you know, there was a lot of confusion. Yeah. He was in a semi-coma. Mm-hmm. So, you know, less and less he he would said anything at all. Sure. Did you become more spiritual or religious during this time? <laughs> she laughs. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, because it's definitely spiritual because every moment is so precious. Yeah. And the connection between Patrick and myself was, uh, it was beyond words. You know, we're, it's really living in the moment and living with a kind of trust that you don't usually live with. Mm-hmm. Where I ran it, personally ran into problems was after he died. Yeah. And uh, because that's where, you know, like I felt like I didn't have any faith anymore. I was mad. Death doesn't discriminate. The good people, the bad people, you know, it takes them all. I was pretty unhappy with that. <laughs> Very unhappy because I'm like, hey, wait a second, the good people get to get rewarded. Right. You know, and I, I was, yeah, it took me a long time to get through that. Yeah, I bet. We have to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Lisa about what it was actually like to care give for her husband, Patrick Swayze. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health and extending life for millions of people around the world. Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company, committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Atlantis Health Group. Atlantis is a comprehensive multi-specialty physician group committed to enhancing the quality and process of healthcare delivery across the country. Visit AtlantisHG.com. Welcome back. We're here with Lisa Swayze, wife of actor Patrick Swayze. Lisa, what were you actually doing for Patrick as his caregiver at the end of his life? I mean, what was a typical day like? Oh, you know, I, you know, first thing, of course, is I'm plotting and planning, <laughs> you know, and I'm plotting and planning because I don't know how he's going to feel. And one of the huge things, I'm sure in a lot of other cancers also, particularly in pancreatic cancer, is he has absolutely no appetite. Yeah. In the later advanced stages of his disease, you know, it's waking up and prepping the medications. It's uh, he was on TPN, so I was 
sometimes I took that up before he got up so he'd get a head start and he didn't have to carry it around with mm-hmm. him. Uh, there are certain medications with food, not, checking everything out. So keep really good rec- records. Make sure all the supplies are there. Yeah. You know, we kind of we kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to do. You mentioned TPN, and that's an acronym for Total Parenteral Nutrition. It's a way that uh, a patient can be fed intravenously with things like glucose, amino acids, and vitamins in a way that bypasses normal digestion or bypasses the gastrointestinal tract. Lisa, you cared for Patrick for over 22 months, and and I'm wondering, did you reach a point where you just sort of felt like you couldn't take it anymore? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, um, you know, going into the second year, I I really I started feeling like I was really hitting the wall. Yeah, it's exhausting, and which is why I tell people who ask, you know, what advice would you give caregivers? It's like. You know, take your breaks when you can get them. Mm-hmm. I'd go to TJ Maxx for two hours, you know, just to not think about the illness. It was at that point that his brother, Donnie, moved into the house, and, you know, that gave me the much-needed help, and I was able to take a lot more breaks, and it, it saved me. Yeah, I, I think those breaks for the caregivers are critical. Uh, Lisa, looking back, what were some of the most helpful gestures of support that people made to you and Patrick? You know, when we have people calling and offering help and this and that, and then there are people calling and say, please call me back. <laughs> and it's like, wrong. You know, sometimes the last thing you want to do is, oh, you know, I have a moment. Why don't I get on the, on the phone and talk about this illness to somebody else? <laughs> yeah, I know. I understand. And, you know, I think some of the most meaningful gestures can be people who call just to check in and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here if you need me. How, Lisa, how did that support that we're talking about influence Patrick at the end of his life? Well, you know, Patrick had more than just family and friends. You know, he had a, a fan base worldwide. And I have to say, that was incredibly inspiring for, for him and for me. There's so many good people out there in the world. They were offering their help, their prayers, their support, and asking nothing for nothing in return. It was inspiring. And did that support increase his will to live? I think so. I think so, because I think he felt all that positive energy coming in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Had you and Patrick discussed how he wanted to die, and who would make that decision? You know, we were so busy being positive, we hardly got to talk about that at all. And uh, when we finally did, I finally found a moment. I said, not that you are going to die, but if you did, what are your wishes? And uh, it was all of a three-minute conversation. But, you know, but I got enough to n- get a direction. Well, Lisa, what did he say? He says, well, I kind of feel always ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I said, well, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> does <laughs> yeah. that mean you want to be buried or cremated? You know, and if you had a memorial, you know, would you like a small thing or a large thing? You know, then, you know, is there anything in particular you would like? And he said, drummers. Hmm. I went, oh, I know how to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I knew what he wanted. Lisa, did you use hospice care or palliative care? I mean, hospice care is, is designed for those who aren't expected to live more than six months, whereas palliative care is, is care for patients with complicated or advanced diseases that may or may not be life-threatening. You know, we had fought so long for him to live. It's an, a very, very difficult transition from treating to, to making comfortable. Yeah. How you deal with your medications, what medications you would even give him, mm-hmm. completely change. And you don't want them on fluids. And we 
took them off the antibiotics and all that stuff was hard to do because it's we're so hardwired to live. That's right. But you know, this came about helping him make this next transition in the best way possible. Exactly. I think that it's very difficult to make that transition from treating to comforting. We have to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Lisa about opioids and how important they were to Patrick at the end of his life. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Welcome back. We're here with Lisa Swayze, wife of actor Patrick Swayze, who's giving us a rare glimpse into what it was like to care for Patrick during the last 22 months of his life. You know, Lisa, opioids, things like Dilaudid and oxycodone and fentanyl morphine are are critical to dying without pain and are really the mainstay pain relievers of the terminal phase of many illnesses. You know, I'm wondering, did Patrick use opioids at the end of his life? And if so, you know, how important were they? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. There's a lot that goes along with what's going on with your body and as it shuts down. And, there, and there's stuff that's, there can be tremendous existential angst. Mm-hmm. You know, these nurses walk into some places where the people who are dying are literally, literally screaming. Not in physical pain, in emotional pain. Yeah. Screaming. Why do that to yourself? And, and, and this particular person, she said, I can help you with this if you'll let me. And, and also there's, there's physiological things, that, you know, in that process of dying is that, it, that, it, that don't have to do with how you, how you are personally feeling about it, you know, that people can get agitated. This can be extremely distressing for everybody around them. Mm-hmm. All very true. And I think good reasons to use medications like opioids, things like Dilaudid, uh, at the end of life to reduce and relieve symptoms of pain and, and agitation. Lisa, there's a misconception that escalating pain medicines, like opioids, to a dying patient will unethically cause their death, also known as euthanasia. Did you struggle with this possibility? Uh, well, I, I know that him being comfortable uh, was of primary importance for us. And as I'd mentioned previously in our conversation, one of his greatest fears is that he was going to suffer at the end. Yeah. Nobody needs to suffer, and passing out of this world can be a very uh, special and delicate and precious experience. You know, if you're dealing with a situation where the pain is out of control, I can't imagine it making more, it more heartbreaking for the patient and the family and friends around them. Mm-hmm. As it turns out with Patrick, the way he went, as our hospice nurses said, it's just, this is, it was textbook perfect. It's the way you want to go. You know, he had family and friends. Uh, I was there holding his hand at the end, and uh, it, was a, it was a special experience, and it was an honor for all of us to be there. Wow, what a blessing. Lisa, what was your life like after that? Uh, well, if anyone had said how bad grief was, what's going to be, I missed it. It wasn't on the radar uh-huh. because it was beyond a thousand times worse than I ever imagined it would be. And mm. uh, at one point, actually, I described some of my worst moments as having somebody pour gasoline on me and set me on fire. Wow. And uh, it, it was uh, 
uh, unbelievable. Hey, you know what? People manage to get through this every day. And that was one of the things I had to remind myself is that people survive this. Right. But at the same time, I think many of us forget the impact of death on the caregiver. I think so. Yes. And and didn't mean that I wouldn't always just look like a zombie <laughs> going through, you know, <laughs> doing whatever. But, you know, and, and that's one of the re- things that why people think that, you know, grief isn't so bad because on the outside, it looks like we're functioning. Yeah. And uh, when in actuality, you know, inside you, you feel like you're losing your mind. You know, there must, there's got to be something wrong with you because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you, you're not even thinking the same way. Your thought process is all screwy. Right, exactly. And, and as with grief, pain is often invisible. Lisa, how has this journey with Patrick influenced the way you'd like your own life to end? I have found that I'm less afraid of death mm-hmm. since he passed away. And, and I think a lot because of being there with him. Yeah. You know, when he left his body, it was not a, a freaky thing for me. It was almost serene. And it was so clear to me that he had used up every last bit of it, yeah. every last bit of that body. And it was time to leave it behind because it was, was not going to do him any good from here on out. Hey, when I go, I hope I, I, hope I see him again. And that would be a, that would be a huge bonus for me. Mm-hmm. And I hope you do, too. And Lisa, after everything you've been through, do you see yourself marrying again? I would, <laughs> you know, I was married for a long time. So mm-hmm. in one way, it's like I've been there, done that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel the need to do it again. But at the same time, I like to think I'm a person that is, will be and can be open to life. And uh, yeah. I guess I'd like to be open to that. Yeah, that's great. You know, uh, similarly, this show has opened my awareness to alternative therapies for treating pain, uh, things like energy balancing and music therapy and nutrition. When we come back from the break, we'll ask Lisa what words of hope she has for those suffering from pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Lisa, continual pain can feel like a terminal illness. And, and I'm wondering what words of hope you have for those suffering from pain. Well, gosh, uh, words of wisdom. <laughs> well, you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, throughout Patrick's illness, um, and I spoke of this earlier about how he dealt with it and, and how much he didn't want to give in to the pain because he, he didn't know how much was coming down the pike later on. He was going to be in it for the long haul, no matter what it took. But at the same time, you know, he was facing a very deadly illness, and we always had the attitude that as long as we're, we were upright, walking and talking and breathing, that there was hope and that there's a reason why the medical profession mm-hmm. are constantly trying to come up with better, newer treatments is because at some point there's going to be that one person that it's going to help and it's going to help turn around whatever's going around along with them. And why not it be them? Why not it be you? Because certainly that was our attitude with Patrick. There's going to be one day somebody with advanced pancreatic cancer is going to have a treatment. It's going to work for them. And, and it actually, there have been people here and there that have had pretty long-term survival, even with advanced pancreatic cancer. It doesn't happens extremely rarely, but why not him? (laughs) 
And you know what? There's we knew we knew the possibilities and we were realistic about it. But there was always hope. There's always hope, and I think that that's right. Right. One of the most precious commodities that you have when you're fighting any kind of pain or illness. I agree wholeheartedly. I try to say the same thing to my patients. I mean, I try to provide them with eternal hope and to let them know not to give up because because there is something often around the corner that has yet to be discovered Mm -hmm. or on the verge of discovery that will help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lisa, tell us about being a spokesperson for the fight against pancreatic cancer. Actually, for an organization uh, named Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, you know, Patrick, fought so valiantly against this disease. And as as far as I'm concerned, just because he's gone doesn't mean the fight's over. Right. And, uh, you know, we've been doing uh, some really great work, and we're particularly excited about the fact that we just got our bill passed in Washington. Obama signed it on January 2nd this past year uh-huh. after a lot of hard, hard work. And it's called uh, the Recalcitrant recalcitrant cancer act and it's not just pancreatic cancer but also very low survival cancers like lung and uh-huh. some others but pancreatic cancer is above and beyond the worst of all of them yeah you know the statistics with pancreatic cancer have not changed in over 40 years and mm. and the nci has only two percent of their annual budget to this point has gone towards pancreatic cancer research well. even though it's the fourth leading cause of death and the most fatal of the five major cancers. It's a bill that will compel the NCI to uh, develop a long-term strategic plan for finding treatments for an early detection for pancreatic cancer and, and then these other uh, cancers. And, uh, you know, and it's a start. It's, I feel like in a way it's like we got our foot in the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know what? And, and hey, you know what? Patrick wanted to live long enough to see some kind of cure come for him. And 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 uh, if I can make it happen for somebody down the line that that I know wants to live, and I know they want to live as much as he did, then uh, this would be a very good thing. That's wonderful, uh, Lisa. And tell us about the Patrick Swayze Pancreatic Cancer Research Fund. Yes, that's at Stanford. That's his own personal fund. And uh, they've been doing wonderful things with it at Stanford. Of course, most of his treatment took place there. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it, it was like our home, you know, it was our home. And even when we were doing treatment in Los Angeles, we always, we always ran everything back through our, our doctor at Stanford. And uh, so it's, it's, it's been a real pleasure to have that set up in his name. Of course, if, uh, if it helps, if it helps, uh, <laughs> If it helps other people, it's going to be, you know, it's, a, it's an honor. It's an honor to have it. It is an honor, and I hope it's helpful. Do you have one message that you'd like to leave with our listeners? I mean, some piece of courage, if you will, that a caregiver can summon up for strength when things get rough. Well, other than make sure you take care of yourself, because <laughs> you don't want to make yourself sick, and it's hard to do. You know, I, I have friends who've gone through similar uh, experiences I did with pancreatic cancer and you know it's when you get a diagnosis of a terminal illness it can it doesn't always bring out the best in someone it could also bring out the worst and there's there's so much fear that's there yeah you could set it aside and take each other's hand and go through it together there are some amazing gifts and there's amazing love that can happen in the process of the whole experience and it's and it, that is simply 
that is simply something not to be missed. That's a wonderful message of strength and courage. Lisa, I'm sorry Patrick's gone, but I'm grateful that you're here to improve the chances that caregivers will face their challenges more easily. And thank you for sharing the personal aspects of your life and journey with Patrick. Uh, uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.